I want to talk to you today about roots, and in particular, what is your mind rooted in? What thoughts are going to feed your mind and generate your emotions? What would you like to be rooted in? I'm standing in front of a fabulously beautiful tree, being reminded again um, that we live in a world where God brings life. It is spring. It's late March, and that is spring. You may be living in a place where you don't believe it's spring, but it is spring, and it will get to you eventually. You just chose to live in the wrong place. Often, writers in Scripture who would spend long time looking at tree and meditating on them, that's a good thing to do on their beauty and life and health, and they would say, a, a person can be like that. So Psalm 1, this great piece of wisdom that lies at the beginning of this great prayer book, talks about, the blessed person, the wise person, is somebody who is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Jeremiah chapter 17 uses exactly the same image. And Jeremiah says, and that tree sends out its root by the streams so that it can be constantly taking in nourishment. And as the writer of the first psalm develops that, he says that's like a person whose mind is rooted in the right thoughts. That person meditates. Now, that can be a word that can sound uh, odd or monastic or a little foreign to us, but it just simply means a mind that is ruminating on the right stuff, that is thinking over, reflecting, musing, pondering, delighting in thoughts of goodness and truth and courage and beauty. And that could be your mind. Now, an alternative to that, uh, Jesus talks about this in one of his parables, again, taken from his observation and reflection on nature. He says sometimes there can be a seed that has potential for life and for growth and for fruit, only it gets thrown on rocky ground where the soil is real shallow. And so there's a, a quick burst of life, but when the sun comes out, that life withers because it has no root. If my life is uh, shallow, then what will happen is my circumstances will dictate my emotion and my emotion will dictate my life because emotion is so powerful. So now you can think for a moment, how are you feeling today? What are you feeling today? And then what will we do with that? How can we be rooted in something deeper than our circumstances? Emotions will pull us away from this. This is from Dallas Willard's book, Renovation of the Heart. As we walk together on this journey of Lent towards the crucifixion, towards the resurrected Jesus, towards death to all that is ignoble and unworthy in us. Dallas right, page 124. A lot of the great power of feeling over life derives not just from the fact that feelings touch us or that they move us, but from the fact that they creep over into other areas of our life. They pervade. They change the overall tone of our life and our world. They spread like an unstable dye or a viral form or a yeast. They may take over all else in us, even that to which they have no reference, uh, relevance. Things and people around us then look different. 
take on a distinctive tone or meaning. And that can determine the tendency and the outcome of an entire life. So that whatever emotion that I'm in, if I'm gripped by anger or if I'm gripped by fear, the way you look to me, the way this circumstance looks to me, the way that this sentence gets interpreted by me will become different because I am looking not at reality as it is, but through the lens of this very powerful and mind-gripping emotion. Feelings are that way. Dallas goes on, this explains why it is so hard to reason with some people. Their very mind has been taken over by one or more feelings and is made to defend and serve those feelings at all costs. Now, if you find yourself hearing these words and thinking, I know somebody that is hard to reason with. Man, they need to hear these words. You are thinking about the wrong person. It's not them. It's you. It's me. We are all in this boat. We are all in the boat uh, where we are tempted to be rooted in circumstances and dominated by the consequent emotions. Uh, Dallas writes, Here, for example, is a woman, could have just as easily been a man, who has taken in the thought that she has been treated unfairly for years in her marriage and her job. Of course, we've all experienced that. Rather than sensibly addressing the circumstances, because we don't want to repress or suppress or ignore or deny when we're aware of injustice we need to find out what's appropriate action ask for the courage to take it and then to let go of that thought when it ceases to lead to production productive action rather than doing that she receives it welcomes it and broods over it you ever brood i do for years developing a tremendous sense of injustice and outrage and notice this, which she also welcomes and cultivates with the aid of sympathetic friends. Sometimes we think no matter what, it's always helpful to talk with other people about something. Fascinating, Dallas wrote this. There's been research on anger and how if you talk about it with the wrong people in the wrong way, you end up just rehearsing the reasons for your anger and it actually reinforces anger problems. The root of bitterness. There's that word again. We can send down roots into bitterness. This is from Hebrews 12, verse 15. This root of bitterness, because we'll be rooted in something. We could be rooted in God, life, love, joy, truth. We could be rooted in bitterness, a sense of injustice, anger. We can be rooted in fear. What do you want to be rooted in? This root of bitterness gradually spreads over her whole personality. This is a lost soul seeping deeply into her body and her soul. It becomes something you can see in her bodily motions and actions and hear oozing through the language she uses. It affects her capacity to see what is actually going on around her, to realize what she is actually doing, and to think thoroughly and consistently. She is in what Bob Mumford has called the prison of resentment, although she thinks she is perhaps for the first time acting freely. And emotion does that. It traps us in bondage and enslavement at the same time that it creates the illusion of liberation and freedom because the feeling is so intense. Dallas talks about how that happens not just at the individual level, but it can take over entire social groups and, and blind them 
And we're watching with horror as that happens to some extent right now in Ukraine. It's always happening on a collective level in our world. Can happen in families, can happen in churches. Feelings can be successfully reasoned with. I love this. Can be corrected by reality. Only in those who have the habit and are given the grace of listening to reason. Even when they are... Sorry, just had to greet someone who's leaving. That is my wife. Uh, Even when they are expressing violent feelings or in the grip of them. A feeling of sufficient strength may blot out all else and will invariably do so in one who has not trained him or herself or been trained to identify, to be critical of, to have some distance from his or her own feelings. Combined with a sense of righteousness, strong feeling becomes impervious to fact and reason. Once Oliver Cromwell, sitting in the midst of his bickering brethren, blurted out these wise words, I beseech ye, brethren, by the bowels of Christ, believe ye may be wrong. We talked about that word bowels in the ancient world. Even in Cromwell's time, the idea of deep emotion was that it was located in your guts, in your bowels, and bowels of mercy, bowels of compassion, the bowels of Christ, the tender mercy of Christ. Believe the possibility that this feeling, which is so pervasive right now, might in fact not, might not be true. I might be wrong. One's feeling of righteousness does not mean he is right and actually should alert him to be very cautious and humble. Those who are wise will accordingly never allow themselves, if they can help it, to get in a position where they feel too deeply about any human matter. That sense really struck me. I'm a feeler and I love to feel. And it's not saying that it's not good to feel. Dallas goes on. They will never willingly choose to allow feeling to govern them. I have feelings, but they can't have me. They will carefully keep the pathway open to the house of reason and go there regularly to listen. And ultimately, of course, the house of reason is the house of God. We see again the notion that faith is somehow opposed to reason is actually completely upside down. Faith is built on reason. And we want to bring our emotions. We, we welcome them. We don't try to resist them. But we bring them to the house of reason. And then, as Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, we can be rooted and built up in God, strengthened in the faith, and overflowing in thanksgiving. So today, just take a moment. How am I feeling? Discouraged, dejected, afraid, overwhelmed, angry. God, help my mind to be planted by rivers of water. Send my roots out to the streams of your strength and your goodness and your love that then can pervade my entire being so that I can bring love and joy and peace to this amazing world of life and beauty that you have created and to people around me who need to receive your love and hope through me today. Let me be rooted in you. See you next time.
Thanks for joining us. There are emails that go along with each episode, and if you'd like to receive those, you can go to becomenew.me slash subscribe. And there you can also sign up to receive daily text alerts. We'll see you next time.